This is the Brain Over Belly podcast, solving the puzzle of obesity with Dr. David Brown of Idaho BMI. You can't walk into a grocery store these days without seeing the word keto splashed on all sorts of different products. What is keto anyway? Is it good for you? Today, Dr. Brown separates facts from fiction and explains why for most of us, a true ketogenic diet can help you lose weight, plus lower the risk of heart disease, Alzheimer's, cancer, and more. Here's your host, Rick Dunn. We are back. Here we go again, and we're going to talk about food specifically today. I guess we do talk about food quite often, Dr. Brown. Welcome. Thank you very much, Rick. So more today on what to eat. Um, this is something that I'm very passionate about because I love food. Most people do. Don't yeah, they? I do too. Yes. Uh, we're actually going to go a little deeper into why a ketogenic diet is the best choice if you want to lose weight and achieve optimal health. So what does that word mean? Am I even saying it right? Ketogenic? Yes. Okay. What does it well, mean? Well, to back up, I everybody's a little different and mm-hmm. we have to be careful to make uh, huge generalizations that this is the right way to live for everybody. I think for the vast majority of people, yeah, it makes the most sense to move in this direction and live and eat this way. But everybody's a little different. Mm-hmm. So ketogenic. Um, so genic, Latin for generate or to make. And so this way of living or way of eating is... Uh, it leads a person's body into generating what are called ketones. And these are chemicals, and maybe that's not the right word, but they're compounds naturally occurring in the body. Very common. And I think just about everybody nowadays has heard about the ketogenic diet. I think it's very misunderstood, but I, I see it as progress. Ten years ago, hardly anybody had heard of it. I hadn't heard of it yeah. not ten years ago. Now everybody's a right. keto. Everybody. I am asked about it all the time in clinic, which, again, it's, it's progress, I think. You're a big fan. You think this is the way to go. Um, yeah. For most people. Yes, I think. Um, and again, it's the fundamentals of really what I think we're going to talk about today. I'm a fan of these fundamental ideas and these concepts in human physiology and really optimizing human performance. So uh, it, it has something to do with burning fat instead of sugar, correct? Yeah. yeah, the vast majority of people walking around, they are burning sugar in their bodies as their primary fuel. You know, we all store fat. Well, I got some fat. All of us have fat, and it's we're supposed to be that way. We're supposed to have some fat. Right. I watched... I, some of the TV shows about these survivalist TV shows, and they're out there, and I'll see them catch all these animals that they're going to eat, but there's no fat on them. They're saying, this isn't good for me. I've got to have some fat. Right. Yeah. So really, I would uh, the bird's eye view of this is that <clears throat> being in ketosis, which is really just this state in which a person's body is generating ketones in their body. It's really a state in which a person is burning fat as their primary fuel as opposed to sugar. Um, That, I believe, is a really good idea, a good um, way to be functioning for a lot of different reasons. So where does that word come from, keto? So we store uh, fat in our bodies primarily in the form of triglycerides. And a lot of people have heard of that. When you get a cholesterol panel, that's one of the 
the things that is tested. You get your triglyceride level checked. Well, triglycerides. Sorry to get super technical, it's okay. but it's, I think it's I, <laughs> I think it's helpful. Trust you. <laughs> I think it's helpful to understand this basic stuff. So, a triglyceride, as the name implies, it's got three of something, and the three is fatty acids. There are three fat sort of chains all connected to a backbone. That backbone is called glycerol, and those three fats connected to that glycerol backbone, that is a triglyceride, and that is the primary form of fat that is stored in your body. Well, when someone is in ketosis or they're burning fat for fuel, they're breaking that molecule up, and so you get three fatty acids in this glycerol backbone. Well, those fatty acids, they're broken down for energy, but also they're taken to the liver and about 50% of the fatty acids are converted to these compounds called ketones. They're smaller, but uh, the liver makes these ketones. And so being in ketosis is simply that state in which a person is burning fat from their fat stores. And some of the fat is turned into these ketone molecules. So what are the positives about being in ketosis? What's, if somebody said, okay, we're going to go ahead and get you on this diet, and this is where we're going to get your body, what are some of the good things that are going to happen for us? Well, fundamentally, you can think of it as driving up to the gas station to fill up your car. Okay. Fat and ketones, they are a cleaner fuel than sugar. Inherent in a cell, burning sugar for fuel is essentially generating what are called reactive oxygen species. Anyway, it's you can sort of think of it as generating inflammation. Whereas if a person is burning fat for their fuel, it's just cleaner. Um, so there are a lot of benefits from burning a cleaner fuel. Give us, give us like the top five in okay. your mind. What top are, five. Yes. Um, all right. Let's look at inflammation first. Okay. So, World War II, I'm a history fan. I love history, military history. World War II, you know, after uh, Hitler realized he was not going to win the Battle of Britain, tried to bomb the Brits out, and they didn't give up, the tide turned, and the Brits and the Americans started bombing Germany, and they had massive missions with all these bombers. And back in the day, it was very inefficient. So they had hundreds and thousands of airplanes dropping just hundreds of thousands of bombs. And it was very imprecise. They were bombing farmland and cows and all kinds of stuff. Since when, we bomb enough, we'll get it all. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, if they were going after a ammunition factory in some town, they would just, you know, carpet bomb it, basically. Yeah. And it was very inefficient. Nowadays, after you know, toward the end of the Vietnam War, they developed these guided missiles. Right. Incredibly efficient. One plane now can do what it took a whole fleet of airplanes in 1944-45. So it's incredibly more efficient, uh, and with that is a lot greater power. So anyway, burning sugar for fuel, it's like taking 100,000 bombers? 300 B-52s <laughs> to bomb a barn. Yeah. Um, in other words, the immune system, it's very nonspecific. You're just revving up the immune system. Uh -huh. Whereas if you can burn a cleaner fuel, 
you lower inflammation generally. You don't have that collateral damage. And the truth is the pretty much the bulk of the chronic diseases that are killing us today are have their basis in part in inflammation. So that's a huge one to me and possibly first on the list is that it's a cleaner fuel and it lowers people's levels of inflammation in their bodies. And the benefits of that are have to do with all kinds of stuff. So improved joint pain, uh, mental clarity. There's a lot of things that people see pretty quickly when they go into ketosis consistently. So that's is that just one of the five then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, inflammation goes down. And that also helps with uh, chronic diseases, cancer, stuff like that? Yep. Yes. Yep. Cancer, it's really a metabolic disease, and it, it has its basis in inflammation as mm-hmm. well as probably some insulin resistance. But yes, inflammation is a very significant driver of cancer. So when we lower inflammation in the body, we're going to lower our risk for a lot of things, cancer, Alzheimer's disease, a lot of things. So we're talking about the benefits of ketosis. What's number two on the list? I would say insulin resistance. Uh, Let me change that. I'm going to say weight loss. This is a podcast about weight loss surgery, bariatric surgery, weight loss. So if a person gains weight, say they're overweight, what what tissue do they have in excess? Fat. Right. When a person's overweight and they lose weight, what are they losing? Fat. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It seems so so easy. So, I'm like questioning myself here. Right. Exactly right. I, I got the right answer. Good. So um, if a person is wanting to lose weight, what better way to lose the weight or the fat than making fat your primary fuel or optimizing or maximizing oh, yeah. how much fat your body is going to burn? That makes sense. So the bottom line is it's... Honestly, the the best studies indicate that it is the best way to lose weight, and it makes sense. If you're burning fat as your primary fuel, it makes sense that you're going to be better at losing weight. So I would say inflammation number one, two is weight loss. Excuse me, inflammation number one, weight loss number number two. two. Number three? Insulin resistance. Okay. 100 million Americans are pre-diabetic or diabetic. That's just horrendous. That is so abnormal. Um, And the underlying problem with diabetes is insulin resistance. Um, And again, it's it's a one of the primary drivers of the chronic diseases. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is increasingly referred to as type three diabetes. Really? I had no idea. So it's. I would say, and I think this is becoming the mainstream perspective in the scientific community that insulin resistance in the brain is really the fundamental problem with Alzheimer's disease. Hmm. So anyway, insulin disease or insulin resistance, big, big problem. And the, the idea there is that when a person is burning sugar as their primary fuel, you know, you eat sugar, this is very simplified and simplistic maybe, but it's true. You eat some sugar, your pancreas is going to release some insulin to help your, the sugar go into the cells. Well, you continually eat too much sugar, too many carbs, it sort of taxes that system. Mm-hmm. And your cells end up not being able to respond to insulin as effectively. 
And so the insulin level in a person's body goes up and up and up. And a lot of times, what do we do in that scenario? We give them more insulin. Yeah. Um, anyway, one of my health goals is to be insulin sensitive. Um, and there's no better way to reverse insulin resistance than removing sugar, carbohydrates from the diet, or another way of seeing it is transitioning a person's body into burning fat as the primary fuel instead of sugar. Cause you don't get that insulin, that fundamental issue with insulin when you're burning fat as your primary fuel. In fact, your insulin has to be really low in order for your body to kick into this state where it starts burning fat as its fuel. So we're going over the benefits of ketosis. We have, uh, it decreases inflammation. Uh, it's easier to lose weight, improves your insulin sensitivity. Number four, it's we've be got the brain, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, that's what comes to my mind. So one of the initial things people, a lot of people will recognize when they go into ketosis, is a mental clarity. It's just they just seem more alert. I experienced this many years ago. It was impressive, it just to me. Uh, my ability to process information and a lot of that's pretty typical people report that some people report when they go into ketosis they have these very vivid dreams i I did a lot of people do really yeah um you get smarter (laughs) well i don't know (laughs) okay so let's look at that cognitive function Uh um i would say yes there's good evidence now to suggest that when a person is consistently in ketosis or is regularly in ketosis, there is an improvement in cognitive function generally. So back to Alzheimer's. Um, one of the earliest markers of early cognitive decline, the beginning of Alzheimer's, uh, is a disruption of what are, what are called cognitive networks or brain networks. And you think, of, you know, there's about 100 billion brain cells in your brain. And, you know, you, you look at how many combinations are possible for connecting those brain cells in different patterns. It's almost infinite. Yeah. So anyway, um, when you're walking, you're activating certain networks in the brain or Uh, collections of brain cells that are working and coordinating together. Same thing with memory, with processing information. You're utilizing or activating these networks in the brain. There's good studies out in the last 5-10 years that show in that setting of early cognitive decline, you're getting these networks um, broken up a bit. They just don't work consistently in coordination when a person has ketones in their blood, it has the effect of stabilizing those networks. Wow. Pretty cool. Um, but also, you know, the uh, military is very much into applying some of these principles, you know, traumatic brain injuries, someone who has a closed head injury and they have a concussion. Um, a guy out of Florida named Dom Diagostino, super smart guy, but he's shown, he and his team, that in that setting, you give someone ketones, these ketone drinks, mm-hmm. and you get ketones in their blood, 
which cross the blood-brain barrier, you minimize the damage from those closed-head closed injuries. Wow. Um, and you can go on and on. And um, so the effects, the benefits of ketosis on the brain are pretty profound. Um, the energetics of the brain, just the the ability of the brain cells to generate the energy that they need and use it efficiently. That's really helped by the presence of ketones. So the last one, we've got the brain, we've got the, uh, we've got the weight, we've got the inflammation, we've got the insulin. There's one more. What do we got for our Heart. top five here? Heart. Heart. Uh, number one killer in Western civilization is heart disease, and that's been true for probably 80 years. Um, every year, the CDC puts out this list. It's like David Letterman, the top 10 uh, causes of death in America, and it doesn't change much year to year. For the last 80 years or so, heart disease is number one by quite a margin. Cancer is creeping up on it, but heart disease is the most common cause of death. Um, and in as in other areas, there's growing evidence that being regularly in ketosis is good for the heart. Um, so the classic form of heart disease, coronary artery disease, this is, you know, when someone has a heart attack, they have a blockage in the artery supplying the heart with blood, mm -hmm. that atherosclerosis, that is an inflammatory disease. It's, it's the process of inflammation going on in the wall of the artery. Well, that process of inflammation in the wall of the artery of the heart, uh, that is primarily driven by this complex, this, uh, it's called an inflammasome. It's a big complex of proteins and enzymes and stuff that is causing or creating and generating inflammation. Uh, it's called NRLP3. Anyway, there's now good evidence that ketones, specifically a ketone called beta-hydroxybutyrate, it's the, most or the highest level ketone in a person's body, that molecule inhibits or tends to shut down this inflammasome, uh, which is the primary driver of coronary artery disease. Um, there's also growing body of evidence that ketones help the heart in the setting of heart failure. One of the problems in heart failure um, is your heart is straining to compensate for deficiencies and problems and it's it's just strained and there's there can be a scarring process and that's not a good thing. <laughs> um, anyway, in that setting of a heart failure, there's good studies now showing that ketones, ketones help prevent that scarring and heart failure and outcomes look like they're better in the presence of ketones. So we've gone through um, a lot of the benefits of being in a state of ketosis. How do we get there? How does one... What do we need to do to get our bodies into a state of ketosis? So <clears throat> a couple of basic principles I think are worth mentioning. One is, well, our body will continue burning sugar as the primary fuel in the presence of a, enough sugar or carbohydrate. 
So if we consume carbohydrates and sugar, our body will never make that transition gotcha. into ketosis. So diets are all, very often looked in the, from the perspective of deprivation. I got to take something away. And I guess that's true in this <laughs> that's case. A pretty negative thing, huh? I know. <laughs> but you adapt, you get used to it. But so that's the first thing is that you, we really need to limit carbohydrate intake. What are carbohydrates? Cereals, granola, bread, pasta, rice, potatoes, sweet potatoes, even corn, starchy vegetables. Look how hard it was for you to say corn. (laughs) Um, Anything that's processed, because any any step in processing, they're going to add carbohydrates because of what it does to the brain. Um, So we got to remove those types of foods and eat foods that don't have them, have carbs in them. What are those foods? Meat, cheese, eggs, avocados, nuts, olives, green leafy vegetables, whole natural foods that have a lot of protein and healthy fats in them. Um, Well, those sound good. It doesn't sound too bad when you throw that out there. I just got a steak. (laughs) I agree. Um, But maybe one of the most effective ways to get your body to burn fat is by fasting. Not eating, hydrating, of course, hydrating vitamins, electrolytes, but just not eating. And your body will burn through the stored sugar, which is called glycogen, and biggest stores of sugar in the liver and the muscle. Uh, And once your body sort of gets through that stored sugar, it'll start tapping into the stored fat. And so fasting really is one of the most effective ways of getting into ketosis. And I would argue that we are we function best when we are cycling in and out of fasting yeah if we don't if we're always if we always have sugar coming in and we're burning sugar um we are just never allowing our body to clean out Mm -hmm. and to turn over what it needs to turn over we're designed to function uh with some fasting so if I'm fasting, I'm eating right, uh, my body's burning fat, why would I still need bariatric surgery? Ah, good question. Wait, I'm already doing all the right things. Right. You taught me. I, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. I get it pretty often. So if you look at bariatric surgery, and by that I mean the sleeve gastrectomy and the gastric bypass, when we do those operations, we're stapling across tiny little branches of that vagus nerve. And for some reason, when we do that, that causes a pretty much an overnight reset of the sensory signaling mechanism from all the organs in the abdomen going in, into the brain. And it just generates a condition of this heightened neuroplasticity. In other words, a person's brain is just super malleable in about the six months following surgery. So we need that state of malleability in the brain to really rewire the brain, reformat it, whatever you want to call it. We need that six months window of time where we can direct that formatting or reformatting of the brain. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Is it do you, would you think that being in a state of ketosis is crucial before you get the bariatric surgery then or after or throughout or what what's the best process there? So before surgery, yeah, we talk mostly with our patients about food. 
and this stuff, the stuff we're talking about, what yeah. to eat, when to eat, how to eat. And if people really try and they practice, yeah, they'll they very often get into ketosis before surgery. Now, for the two weeks before surgery, they do liquids. It's the fasting. Sugar-free liquids. Right? Yes, yeah. it's fasting and protein and drinks. Yeah. But That's everybody's favorite part when I talk to them. They, they love that. What, the protein drinks? <laughs> no, the fasting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But, and that's interesting that the first three days of that two weeks is pretty rough, pretty cranky, you know, feel great. Sure. And it becomes much easier just within that two weeks. And just did some procedures today and asked every person, how are you doing? They said, you know, it's very surprising. It's been two weeks. I haven't eaten anything. I actually have a lot of energy and I feel pretty clear, pretty good. So, yes, my preference is to have someone in ketosis when they roll back into the operating room. Um, again, because of inflammation and a lot of different okay. things. But that's the ideal. I don't think everybody is at that point, but... It's not mandatory, but right. that's what I mean, you would prefer. Yeah. If uh, When I go through the grocery store and I see keto on all these different oh. items, is that so is that what I should be buying or that's what I should be eating or, or is someone, that misleading? Someone sent me a picture of a keto plunger, <laughs> toilet plunger. <laughs> and what is that? No lie. I have no idea. <laughs> you don't even know. You but don't have an explanation. <laughs> what we're talking about. Um, so in the clinic, I... I don't bring up the term keto because I think it's misleading or at least confusing for people. Uh -huh. If I say, oh, you need to eat ketogenic diet, then they go to the store and right. they got all these products that have this word keto on it. And they, I think it's easy to fall into that trap of thinking, well, this is keto. I'm, I need to be eating this. And it's the best way to go about this is eating whole natural foods, high in protein, high in healthy fats. Um, Limiting the number of times we eat in the day and hydrating very well with water and sticking with simple foods, the foods that our great-grandparents and our great-great-great-great-great-grandparents ate going back thousands of years, these, these foods, and avoiding the modern processed foods because it's a gimmick. 99.9% yeah. .9 of the time, something that says keto is, is gimmicky. And it's part of the, the reason we want to st stick with the simple foods is what they contain. They got the food, the nutrition that we need uh, in the form that our bodies need them. So final thoughts, why a ketogenic diet and what's the best way to get started? Why a ketogenic diet? So me personally. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for many years. Why do I do it? One, I don't want to ask people to do things that I'm not willing to do myself. But also, honestly, I don't want cancer. I don't want Alzheimer's disease. I don't want coronary artery disease. I don't want – I want to do everything I can do to to increase the chances of me living long and being healthy for as long as possible. That's why I'm doing it. And I think at least as far as food, nutrition, for me, that is the path that makes the most sense. And the best way to get started is because there's a lot of misinformation out there, just like we were talking about with the grocery stores, okay. sitting down with a doctor, going online. What's the best way to get started? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know the you don't even have the answer. Huh? Um, simple is good. Yeah. You know, you start by trying to limit carbohydrates. And yeah. if you don't know what carbohydrates are, sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to 
walk through this, Google it, figure out what are carbohydrates, and you just try to remove them from your from your diet. And stick with the simple stuff, meat, eggs, etc., and try to narrow that window of time in the day that you're eating. Yeah. And I think the most logical, easiest, reasonable way to approach that is, well, skip breakfast. Drink a lot of water, take vitamins, skip breakfast, and, and just narrow that window of time in the day that we're eating anything. Well, Dr. Brown, it's always a pleasure. We will see you next month. All right. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Rick.